Today, I'm honored to welcome Dr. Stephen Farmer as our guest. He is the author of the best-selling Animal Spirit Guides, Power Animal Oracle Cards, Messages from Your Animal Spirit Guides, Oracle Cards, Power Animals, Sacred Ceremony, Messages from Your Animal Spirit Guides, Guided Meditation CD, and the soon-to-be-released Earth Magic, Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet. It's scheduled for release in February of 2009. Dr. Farmer is also the host of his own radio show, The Shamanic Hotline, on hayhouseradio.com. Dr. Farmer is a shamanic practitioner, an ordained minister, and a former psychotherapist. He offers workshops on various shamanic topics and private consultations. He makes his home in Laguna Beach, California. For further information, please go to Dr. Farmer. DrStephenFarmer.com. That's DrStephenFarmer.com. Aloha and welcome, Dr. Farmer. We are so happy to have the opportunity to share a conversation with you about the healing wisdom of animals and how we can tune in to receiving messages from our animal spirit guides. Could you tell us something about uh, what are animal spirit guides? Oh, sure, and thank you, uh, KG, a very gracious host, and thank you very much for uh, this conversation basically uh, what we'll be doing. Um, animal spirit guides are any animal, and, and this is a key to any animal, the physical animal or a symbol of that animal, that will show up to you in an unusual way or repetitively. And this could be any, any animal, I mean any insects all the way to, you know, you name it, you know, the, the uh, birds, uh, four-legged insects, reptiles, you know, it doesn't matter, but any animal in the, uh, on the planet. And even in some instances, as some people have uh, shown me, is uh, mythological animals like dragons, unicorns, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, I really relate more. to dragons. Yeah, a lot of people do. It's, it's amazing. So even though they're not in the um, third dimensional reality, that a lot of people can relate to that as animal spirit guides. Uh, myself, I, I I know colleagues that do, and I respect that, and other people that do. But I I tend to deal more with the animals that have some sort of physical appearance here on the planet. Are animal spirit but, guides the same as totem animal spirits? Well, that, I'll get to that. That's um that's a that's often a question that comes up. KG, um, just want to stress though that animal spirit guides that term itself is very general, and that's any animal that shows up in an unusual way or repetitively. And again, that could be the physical animal. And repetition is very important. Pardon me? Repetition? Yeah, or repetition. For instance, uh, uh, one happening, something that's happened quite commonly, apparently, because I've heard this from three or four people, is say a hummingbird will, will, um, a hummingbird will come up and hover in front of your face, maybe a foot and a half away, and, and stay there for 15, 20 seconds. I would count that as unusual, or I've had a couple of experiences that are outstandingly unusual. One is a hawk that flew into my office and banged himself against the sliding glass door, I know, and it turns out later I discovered that he'd been chasing a dove, so he was after his lunch, but I didn't find the dove until we released the hawk. That was, I'd count that as unusual, Mm -hmm. or the grasshopper that came up and uh, plunked down right next to my computer. Um, Those are unusual kind of appearances. Mm -hmm. And it really isn't like beauty, it's in the eye of the beholder as to whether it's unusual. Well, how do you know what it's saying to you? Well, that's what um, one of the, there's there's a couple of different ways. One is what I 
want to encourage people to do is talk to the spirit of that animal. It's not really, not really the animal, although certainly it is a representative of. of um, the, uh, let me put it this way: the animal's there, and there's something to do with the animal. But it really is the spirit of that animal that's trying to reach your your spirit or your soul. Um, it really becomes a way that uh, spirit world can communicate with you through these particular beings. What it, let me say that more clearly. In other words, you, uh, the grasshopper hops next to my computer, and I'm going, what's going on? And immediately what comes to mind, I, I close my eyes, and I go, what's your message? And that's what I suggest people do. What message do you have for me? And then I pay attention to whatever comes to mind. You know, if a thought pops into my head, uh, I may, my eyes may be uh, taken to another place in the environment, or I might get an image. When I close my eyes, uh, I might hear something as if somebody's kind of whispering in my ear, or I might just get a feeling. And those, those four ways, uh, through our thoughts, cognitive, through our feelings, kinesthetic, through our ears, auditory, or through our eyes, which are, is visual. All, those four ways are all different ways that we can get these communications from the spirit of that animal. So when uh, that's one way. Uh, the various products, the books and the oracle cards that I've put out, that's one of the, the other ways, too. Not only my own, but there's certainly others that are available that would give ideas or suggestions or possibilities as to the meaning of a particular animal's showing up in the way that I described, unusual or rest. Could you draw an oracle card now, and this could be kind of like an overlighting guide for our talk? Or Yeah, let's see. What's uh, What do we need to focus on here? I'm going to... I've got actually another deck coming out. I've got Power Animal Oracle cards, which have been out for a little while. I think I'll first pull from them, and then uh, later on we can do something with the new deck that's going to be uh, uh, released very shortly. Actually, oh, it's out now. Uh, the Power Animal Oracle cards have been, uh, there's 44 animals in here, and they really represent the spirit animals. And um, they will usually have a the animal, the name of the animal, an image of the animal, and then a keyword, one or two keywords, and then a, a phrase at the bottom that outlines the message. And then with the cards, there's also a uh, small booklet that has a more, extensive reading on any particular card, mm -hmm. plus some ideas about how to use the card, mm -hmm. what power animals are, what animal spirit guides are. So let's pull one for our okay. conversation and see what we might uh, need to focus on. Okay. Okay. I pulled the card as seal. Hmm. Imagination hmm. is the key word. And what seal is saying to you in IKG is immerse yourself in artistic and creative expression. Mm-hmm. So what that tells me is that our conversation today is going to be very uh, creative, uh, that we may, uh, we may dance with the words that we exchange, with the ideas that we exchange. That's the, that's the gist of what I get from pulling that Yeah, that's a nice part. image. Yeah, it's a nice. I like it. And, and after all, it is, I think it is uh, uh, the use of the imagination, if you will, that allows us to access this um, world that we're talking about, the world of spirit in all of the different ways that we can do so. And the one particular way is, is through these animal visitations, whether they make their visitations known through uh, unusual appearance physically or through repetition, or, or and whether it's 
physical or symbolic. A uh, fox crosses my path when I'm walking in the woods. I look up, you know, just somehow I'm prompted to look up, and there on the the wire is Hawk looking down at me, you know, or overlooking the vast expanse before him. And I know that that's, that's for me, that there's some message there for me from uh, Hawk or from Grasshopper or from the fox. Uh, you asked about totem animals, too. I make a distinction. Uh, there's really animal spirit. So that's any animal spirit. They may come just one time to visit us and to give us a message, or they might uh, keep showing up again and again. Um, a totem animal, which is probably the most commonly known term, there's two different meanings for a totem. One is that a totem animal typically is a, uh, an animal spirit guide that's shared by a group or a clan or a community. Uh, we have... Um, contemporary versions of that with our sports teams, for instance. I don't think they, the Baltimore Orioles particularly think that their, uh, their, their namesake is a totem animal, but that's one uh, contemporary version of that. Another meaning of totem is um, a small figure of an animal spirit guide that you particularly like. I'm looking at a soapstone carving of a turtle that's right here by my computer mm -hmm. where I'm talking on the phone, and that, uh, th that could legitimately be called a totem. Mm -hmm. um, and people carry these totems with them, you know, often. And it uh, would be a source of power for them or to connect them, them with their power? or Yeah, it connects them with the power, that particular expression of power. For instance, the particular expression of power for Turtle and why he's sitting here at my computer in my office. <laughs> one, one of the powers or the expressions is to take my time, slow down. You know, breathe. Uh, the figure himself is he's got his legs and his head out, so uh, although he can withdraw when needed, uh, and we spoke about this just before we started the conversation, that's something I do need to do. I, don't, I wouldn't call it exactly withdrawing, but to contract my energy, to spend some time in solitude, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So the turtle, um, that totem that's sitting there before me represents those kind of characteristics or qualities that are good reminders for me when I'm mm -hmm. busily at work. Is it North writing. America considered Turtle Island, or it seems like I've, I've heard that expression before, yes. I'm not sure which tribe or which uh, Native American tribe called it Turtle Island, but it's often referred to as Turtle Island, and I don't, frankly, know the genesis of that or why it was referred to in that way. Um, it's kind of interesting. It would be something worth investigation, but I'm not sure why. So um, may I other, ask uh, another question? <laughs> Yeah, There's so much I, I want like to find to out about. I wanted to know um, for you to explain more about the difference between a power animal and an animal spirit guide. Yeah, there's, that's where exactly where I was going, so you read my mind. Um, the, the, the other term that often comes up these days is power animals, and it's certainly the name of um, one of my books, Power Animals, and also the name of the oracle cards, Power Animal Oracle Cards. A power animal, really, that term comes from shamanism. Um, KG, my mission really is, is not to uh, convert everybody to shamanism. I'm not sure that that could be done anyway because it's, it's much more of a calling than a, um, something that you strive for or you have ambition towards. You just know you, you, you're, you called, you're called and you walk into it or you don't. But what I do see is that there's these elements of shamanism that, that are accessible to anyone who is on the spiritual path whether or not they particularly are drawn to shaman, shamanism per se. 
So power animals comes from shamanism, and what it is is that when a shaman, I'm going to use the he, uh, the masculine gender, it could be she as well, just easier to go say that than he or she. Um, when the shaman goes into uh, a, a trance, and that can be done through drumming, dancing, singing, uh, uh, sometimes plant medicine in certain areas of the world, uh, he sends his soul or consciousness into spirit world or what could be called non-ordinary reality. And there he'll work with his helping spirits um, to bring back healing and guidance for the community mm -hmm. that he serves. Uh, this could be involved healing an individual. It could be uh, healing the group. Uh, there's all, all sorts of things that could go on as a result of the information that he gets directly from his spirit guides. Mm -hmm. What he uh, always has is at least one, typically more than one, maybe up to three or four power animals. These are animal spirit guides that he's, um, and let's put it this way, it's a soul connection between the shaman and the animal spirit guide that works with him as a power animal. Mm -hmm. That power animal he travels with, he has with him uh, both in this reality as well as non-ordinary reality, so that he is uh, a power animal serves to protect, to guide, and is a and this is the difference typically between uh, an animal spirit guide and even a totem animal and a power animal is the power animal is with him typically with him or her uh, for years. Mm -hmm. And it's also important, just like any relationship, that the individual or from the roots of where this comes from, the shaman, uh, pays attention to the power mm -hmm. animal, honors that power animal, dances that power animal, sings to the power animal, you know, just gives, um, gives uh, that sort of gratitude to the power animal for the, this particular animal spirit guide service to him. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I've got uh, four that I work with in my shamanic healing work um, and also looking for divination guidance uh, that certainly has helped me out with uh, these card decks. Um, I don't speak about them typically. However, because of my what I do, I, I am allowed to talk about one particular power animal that sort of joined. I, I want to say I acquired him or he acquired me. I'm not sure which. <laughs> but uh, it's that's Raven. Mm-hmm. And Raven, just like other power animals, and again, you don't have to be a shaman or a shamanic practitioner to, to um, discover who your power animal is. Raven is very much like me, and I'm very much like him. And he came to me at a time in my life that I think is absolutely perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, your power animal will often reflect those characteristics in you that, that um, well, I, they'll re he, he or she will reflect those characteristics in you, the stronger characteristics. For instance, raven. You don't see a lot of ravens around. They're, they tend to be more solitary. Crows, you see, pretty commonly. Crows are a lot more social. Um, raven is a, a manifester. Um, there are some story, creation stories that say raven is the one who uh, brought the light to the world, brought mm -hmm. creation to the world. Um, raven is a shapeshifter, um, and I see that myself, you know, being able to adapt my... Uh, expression to what's needed at any, any particular time. So um, that's another aspect of power animals. So, that, so the animal spirit guides is the generic term, and then we look at specifics like the totem animals or the power animals.
Okay, well, you were beginning to touch a little bit on the role of a shamanic practitioner. Um, yes. I think of uh, uh, the stories I've heard about, you know, like when there's a drought with an indigenous uh, tribe or whatever, when there would be a drought, the shamanic practitioner would, would go and find out what needed to be done, um, what was going on and what needed to be done to, to heal or correct. Right. The ba- there was an imbalance or something, and so they needed to... Am I on the right? <laughs> Am I thinking yeah, right? Yeah, no, that's um, actually the uh, a little understood um, primary function of the shaman. And this is her primary role as a shaman, any shaman's primary role, or even shamanic practitioner's primary role. But let's speak about the shaman. Their role is to mediate the balance between the natural world and the human community that what's taken is given back, that something is given back. So there's this modulation, if you will, of exchange between the human community and the natural world. And KG, one of the most interesting things is in this way of thinking about things in the role of the shaman is that when that, ba- when that relationship between the natural world and the human community is out of balance, it's reflected in illness in the community, mm-hmm. and it could be in individual members, or it could be in um, a, a, an individual member, or it could be, um, you know, a few different members, or perhaps the entire community. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting perspective on the the foundation or the foundational, the fundamental role of shamans. And if we look at the world today, of course, I think it's it's. Uh, you know, a no-brainer to see that we're out of balance in, in that relationship. And thank God, and God bless everybody who's doing this, is doing what we can to restore that balance, you know, whether, again, you're a shaman or a shamanic practitioner or not. So the um, uh, the example you mentioned of um, uh, things are dry, so the shamanic practitioner uh, journeys is uh, typically what happens, which means they send their soul into this non-ordinary reality to work with their helping spirits to discover what's out of balance and what needs to be corrected so that, that we can bring ba- balance mm-hmm. back. I have a friend of mine, a colleague uh, who I consider sh- to be shaman, uh, Jade, in uh, Sedona, Arizona, and he put out a uh, he puts out a newsletter pretty regularly, and one of them he uh, described um, invi- an invitation where people could join him because it had been so dry. And the the ceremony that he suggested was very simple. At a particular time or period during this particular day, is that what we were to do, um, if we so chose to do this, would be to uh, take a, a nice fresh glass of ideally spring water or filtered water, but spring water ideally, and just hold it up to the light, look at it, you know, thank. Um, spirit for providing this lifeblood, and then drink the water very, very slowly with appreciation. Not to try to make anything happen, but just simply bring gratitude for <laughs> for water. And the amazing thing is that I think it was the next day it rained. Mm-hmm. So that there's a good, pretty good example of a shaman or shamanic practitioner. Uh, discovering some information from his helping spirits that he brings back to the community 
asked the community to participate in this ceremony. And what was the give back? It was appreciation. Mm -hmm. And with that many people focused on appreciation of water. Yes, like it had already happened. happened. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was magical. And that's yeah. why the title of my book that's coming out oh, in a little while, a couple of months, February, actually. Well, tell us about your new book, Earth Magic. What does sure. Earth Magic well, mean, anyway? You know, that it, it started out as a different title, and it, uh, the way I think about it, KG, is that it just, just things kept working. It's like I didn't like the title, so you know, I prayed and I thought, and, and then just I went, well, you know, what happens? What, it, what, are, what about these miracles that, you know, I've seen occur um, in my work, and um, I... I'd like to take credit for them. The credit I take is that I show up and then get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, 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 I'm getting tremendous guidance from my spirit helpers. I've done ceremonies for, with, you know, one person all the way up to 900 people that have just proven to be, by the feedback that I've gotten from participants, to be quite um, curative at times and certainly healing at other times. Uh, just amazing stories. I'm, I, I feel so blessed when I think of these to be doing this work. Mm-hmm. So the title came to me, Earth Magic, because in sham- and the foundation for it is shamanism, although I've got also a background of 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, so there's some of those elements that are included in this. But the primary focus is we deal with the earth, with, that we relate to the earth differently. The subtitle, as you mentioned earlier, is Ancient Shamanic Wisdom for Healing Yourself, Others, and the Planet. And even this notion that I just spoke of about uh, maintaining the balance or restoring the balance as needed, I think is an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's processes in there that uh, people can do for themselves, they can do for others. Um, I do, there's a couple that are a little more intense that um, I do strongly suggest people take training for, additional training, and then there's some exercises that, that people, anybody could do for uh, to honor the earth and to promote her healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, just fascinating information in the research that I wanted about DNA and how uh, th- we're so connected th- to our DNA no matter where it happens to go. <laughs> if I shake hands with somebody at the grocery store, they're carrying some of my DNA and mm-hmm. I'm carrying some of them. If you're close to somebody and you're, you're physically close to somebody, how much uh, DNA is really swapped, if you will. And so that um, when I've got a partner or a friend that I'm close to, uh, maybe, uh, and they feel something, they feel a sadness, and I get a twinge of sadness, and I don't know it's really from the fact that I've got their DNA, mm-hmm. but um, I'm, I'm feeling sad, and I'm going, why am I sad? I'm actually, think, I think things are going pretty well, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just studies that have been done about DNA, they've taken one study I'll give you, and then we'll get off of the DNA thing, is uh, the Army did a study on subjects where they, they took a vacuum jar and put it three rooms away, and then they swabbed the mouth of uh, one of the subjects and put the DNA in this vacuum jar. And then they uh, somehow organized it so that uh, they could time the response of the DNA and the subject from the atomic clock, which means uh, that there was, no, um, there was no room for error in the mm-hmm. timing. Mm-hmm. And then they showed the subject evocative images uh, that, that would um, prompt a, uh, an emotional response of some sort. And one of the most interesting things they found is that the DNA, the activity of the DNA that was in the vacuum jar three rooms away, would react 
at precisely the same time as the subject, even though they were separated three mm -hmm. rooms away. And then it was wow. replicated 100 miles away. And wow. The same thing happened. So, <coughs> you know, so you know, yeah, well, that if that's the case for distance healing then. For exactly. Yeah. And uh, something I've been, uh, I want to say, called to do here lately uh, as mm -hmm. on my uh, radio show, KG, uh, at Hay House Radio. HayHouseRadio.com. If anyone's interested, it's uh, Wednesdays, one to two p.m. Pacific time. Um, I would get calls. I uh, get calls often for what I call power animal readings, which mm -hmm. are, are intuitive readings using the cards, uh, using my intuition. Um, sometimes cheating and looking at my book, Animal Spirit Guides. You know, because there's an unusual animal. I I don't remember everything about these spirit animals, and. Um, I was called a couple of times to do a remote healing, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And my belief of I've experienced your remote healing, so I can attest to that. And it does it, work. It actually, you know, yes, I, I believe it, it, it takes a while, though, for you to really... It, I think it was probably a good two months, probably, when I really noticed there, there was a definite difference with the thing that we worked with. That's pretty interesting, and that again is is validation. Again, it, up to then, it was like it was other people do that. I don't do this, you know. So there goes another belief. <laughs> so I've I've taken to it, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I just I keep getting confirmation that one aspect of my healing work is to do remote healing, and I'm uh, doing more and more individual sessions, both via the telephone as well as uh, mm -hmm. uh, face to face uh, here nearby in Laguna Beach. So, yeah, yeah I, just, I think you're a good guide, you know, for for Thank that. You. So you're being used. Um, so, uh, Stephen, uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, what are some of the signs of soul loss or soul fragmentation? Because I know you've worked with that. Yeah, I might uh, qualify that by saying this is the shamanic uh, paradigm that I work with in, in my shamanic healing work is that there's three spiritual causes of any illness. This is the premise that I operate on. Uh, one is, uh, as you mentioned, soul loss. I'll come back to that. The second is loss of power. And the third is when there's something, the first two are, are things that, are, that aren't in you that need to be restored. And the third one is when something's in you that shouldn't be in there, like psychic, uh, toxic energy of some sort. So I go back to soul loss and soul fragmentation because uh, I think there's a lot of that. And uh, instead of thinking the soul as some discrete um, entity, if you will, or internal um, process or, or spirit or whatever, um, it's better to think of the soul more like a holographic paradigm. And that is uh, like the uh, iconic image of Princess Leia, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. And we've seen holographic images, um, you know, in other places, too. That's the one that is sort of certainly part of our cultural story. I can totally relate to that. I feel like part of the me that's here is just a holographic image of who I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a know, small little piece, so. Yeah, 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 there you go. It's exactly it. It's it's a felt sense for you. And um, the, the the thing that can happen is that we can lose, like, little pieces of that just like the film, through uh, when there's a holographic image that's created, it's a film, a particular special film, and then an, a laser is shot through it, and that's what you get. The result is you get a holographic image. Mm -hmm. um, 
if the little chunk of the film is taken away, you still get the holographic image, but it might be just a little bit fuzzier. And mm -hmm. then another chunk is taken away, and another, and another. So with each chunk, it gets a little fuzzier. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a really good analogy for soul loss, the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. Other people, other shamanic practitioners and shamans will perhaps view it a little bit differently, but I think this is a very workable uh, model that I've tested in many, many instances, and it, and it works. You know, it makes sense. So um, let's say if you're traumatized in some way. Let's suppose there's a big explosion two, two blocks down, you know, and you're, you're fairly close to the explosion such that your ears ring and uh, you're knocked back from the force of it, etc., well, what will happen typically, I'd say this happens to just about everyone. I can't think of any exception, but at least at least for a period of time, that there's a piece of your soul that leaves. goes, mm -hmm. whoa, let me out of here. Mm -hmm. um, often, I don't say often, but it may or it may not come back. After a period of time when there's an assessment that says it's safe to return, the soul piece may return. Mm-hmm. But imagine you're in a situation where it's not safe. Mm -hmm. uh, very often, the case in that sort of case, then the soul remains. And away. maybe it senses that the that it won't be taken care of, or you know what I'm exactly. saying? It's not a safe situation. If you're a child in a, in a very abusive uh, household, and, and it's ongoing abuse, it's not just the occasional harsh word or getting spanked or something, but you know, a, abuse. Um, you know that soul piece may not want to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, it's often I, I in my uh, uh, the work that I do. Of course, one a, one treatment aspect is to do soul recovery, which is to go and get find the soul piece that the person most needs at the time. And often, uh, not every time, but often, it's a child. Mm -hmm. uh, I did work with a client just the other day, and there was this. Uh, she had some physical issues going on, and. Uh, Concerns and considerations. So, amongst the other treatments that we did, one of those was a soul recovery, and it was just given to me. I actually had gone to just get information, and I thought it would be more about pulling psychic toxins out of her, which it certainly was. But then I checked with my spirit guides, my power animals that I worked with, and they they basically said we got to go get a soul piece too. So I went and I found um, the image of a. 15-year-old girl that, mm -hmm. that sort of stood there, if you can get this image, kind of with her hips out, with her hands on her hips, um, sort of got this attitude look on her face and chewing gum. Mm -hmm. And she told me she was tough chick. <laughs> so I went, okay, you know, I've learned, uh, KG, long ago just to go with it. You know, it, it That's just, why you're so good, Stephen. You just, oh, you just you, are, you are willing to just go with things, see where they go, and so... Yeah, I, I have to these days because I, 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 there's been a couple of instances uh, back uh, oh, three, four years ago where I went, oh, that can't be right. You know, <laughs> my mind comes, that can't be right. I come back, tell the person, they go, oh, yeah, that was right. <laughs> I go, okay, shut up, mind. You know, keep my mind out of it, you know, my ego out of it. So I brought this piece back, and then I did a procedure where I basically installed that piece. That's in our days of computers, everybody understands that terminology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I installed that 15-year-old, and I thought, well, I'm going to be curious to see what she says. And this woman looked at me, and she and tears came to her eyes, and she said, yeah, I tried to commit suicide at 15. Wow. I almost succeeded. 
And I get chills as I tell you that because I, I still am in awe of how spirit works with us, and mm-hmm. specifically in my ways. You know, I trust my spirit. Yeah, I think, and, I really and, and spirit works with receptive channels. People are yes. willing to and just show I up think and it's listen. It's just one of those things that many people that do this work, you just hone that over time. Mm-hmm. There's some people that just uh, are complete, completely open to it. You know, it took me, I guess maybe it's. Former hard-headed Irishman, you know, mm-hmm. it took me <laughs> it took me a while to uh, uh, just hone it, just to open myself to. Yeah, this is this is. This so, is, is this what you're we describing? Is this also what's called soul retrieval? Yeah, I use different. I use that interchangeably. Soul retrieval, soul recovery, soul recovery. I think is the term I use, but soul retrieval. Yeah, and it's the shaman's job or the shamanic practitioner's job to go into this uh, non-ordinary reality and there with the help of his animal spirit guides, his power animals specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I have one that I say, take me to the soul piece that's most needed for this person now, and that's what happens. And then mm-hmm. boom, we take off, and I find uh, I find someone. I found uh, uh, children that, that, you know, are out. Uh, one recently was uh, playing in a tree, and uh, another one that uh, was in a little tiny... Um, what do you call it, music box, you know, hiding out in a little music box in her mother's room. I mean, just, and then wow. the 15-year-old I mentioned that was mm-hmm. sitting there kind of uh, uh, with this cocky attitude, you know, like, don't mess with me. <laughs> and it's what this woman needed, too, this this restoration. That's another term I use, the restoration mm-hmm. of the, the dissociated mm-hmm. soul piece. Mm-hmm. The 15-year-old really brought in a, a toughness that she needed because mm-hmm. she's a very, very sensitive individual and a lot of the physical symptomatology mm-hmm. was the result of picking up on these, like, uh, I would say, you know, these toxic energies. Mm-hmm. Not that people gave them to her intentionally. We just don't think about it that way. But if you go to a mall, especially as the holidays get closer, you know, there's all sorts of stuff floating around. So I think it's important to, that we give ourselves some protection yeah, put your field of white light around you. <laughs> field of white light, uh, Sandra Ingerman suggests the blue egg, um, mm-hmm. Archangel Michael, or, and here we go, your power animal. Mm-hmm. You know, take your power animal with you. Wolf. I figure, take the whole gang, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't leave anybody out. Don't leave at home. That kind of thing. Cause, um, so, Stephen, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, gosh, that we should be paranoid about this, but you know, just be appropriately cautious is what I'm saying. It's just self-awareness. Yes. It's self-awareness and taking care of yourself. Yeah, you just, there you go. That's bingo. So, yeah. Just taking care of yourself, you know, not just physically but psychically too. Yeah, and, and people pick up on that. People know not to yeah. trespass upon you when you're giving a signal out that, that you love yourself, you respect yourself, and you're going to take care of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's not a, a you know, you go and visit with a friend. You don't necessarily need protection or psychic protection, or you go see uh, a counselor. You don't need it, or you're with a small group of friends. But I think when you go out into the larger arena where there's, oh, I don't know, you go to the mall and there's a mom that's just angry at her kids, you know, and some of that, especially when somebody's raging. Yeah. I got to be really careful around that. That's yeah, that's a lot of uh, sharp energy that's thrown out. Exactly. 
And it, it, the, the thing is, the KG, is that this energy, I've had this happen, and I've had it cleaned up, too. The energy that goes into your body, I had a, a somebody get rage at me one time, and I could feel something going into yeah. my gut, you know, right? Yeah. Well, the two places I found it enters is either through the crown or through the solar yeah. plexus. Those seem yeah. to be the two areas that are most susceptible. Yeah, I would agree. I think the heart is susceptible, too, I've found, mm -hmm. that, that people... Yeah, you can feel a little shock. It's like a little, yeah. you know, in the heart area sometimes, and something just really... But I, I think also when it really goes in deeply for me is when there's something I'm stilling, still needing to heal within my own self, that it resonates with something that's still needing, you know, to be integrated, to be owned, to be loved within my own self, you know? Yes. Yeah. So. Well, the the other um, way, uh, and these are called, uh, uh, we call these uh, psychic intrusions or sometimes spiritual intrusions. Mm -hmm. uh, some people, there's other terms, spiritual darts. Um, and sometimes yeah, it's very sharp. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes even yeah. called curses, though. I think yeah. you have to be a little careful with that. But well, and I think people do that to themselves through their own, you know, some of the self-talk. You know, uh, they're no, actually hypnotizing right themselves. It's like they're hypnotized to, you know, believing a certain way about themselves, and they keep repeating it, you know. Absolutely. What happens so. is that thought forms are an energy. And if I continually massage, or another way to say it, if I obsess about something, like you were saying about self-talk, if there's this repetitive self-talk that is obsessive, that energy start, starts to take on a, a certain, um, how would I say, it sounds like a contradiction or a paradox, and it is a paradox, an energetic form. It is a paradox. We live in a world of paradox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that's the key to life, I figure, is to get that you're, you know, things are Well, paradox. it becomes, it, it gains a certain life. It's something that's created out of a, 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 out of a mental projection, but it has a psychism about it, so that it has, yeah. like, a, a, a life force to it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's what uh, the, shim the shim a phantasm. Maybe that's a good word for it. <laughs> there you go. I, you know, there's probably a number of different terms we could give to that. But it, the point is, it, it throws our um, our system out of harmony. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not as harmonious with ourselves. And mm -hmm. you'd asked me earlier, and I I didn't mean to avoid the question. What are the symptoms of soul loss? Well, there's also symptoms of psychic intrusions. And it isn't that the symptoms necessarily equal soul loss or, or uh, psychic intrusions, mm -hmm. but soul loss often, that's the feeling you get is something's missing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it could manifest as uh, depression. There's a whole diagnosis in psychology or psychiatry more accurately. It's called post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, Occasionally you read about the people or the men that come back from Iraq and they're like messed up. Um, you know, hitting their friends, you know, and without even a, an ounce of alcohol, addictions mm -hmm. as a way to kind of manage this. Well, there's a couple of things that are really likely going on with these individuals from this particular perspective. One is soul loss. You know, this is it, under conditions of war, it's appropriate to be hyper vigilant and attentive and to shut down your emotions, but you can't, you know, function in this society very well that way, especially when there's a piece of you missing or maybe more than one and then the other is that there's so much I, again I can only go by news reports but from what I've read um, there's a lot of uh, people over there that hate the Americans 
so they're getting raged at <laughs> all the time. So there's, uh, I would love to uh, do some uh, shamanic work with uh, some of these veterans, these men and women that have been over there, just mm-hmm. to help them clear this part up. Um, so there's depression. That's a possibility. There is this uh, feeling of, um, uh, gosh, any any post-traumatic symptoms could be suggestive of soul loss, and mm-hmm. those are things like remaining high. Yeah, I think a lot of people in my work, I see a lot of people who are suffering from some sort of uh, post-traumatic stress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so that... that it just that, stays um, with people. That, they don't know how to... That, like numbing, psychic numbing mm-hmm. is another big one mm-hmm. for the psychiatric diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. I love they call it disorder. Mm-hmm. It's not a disorder. You know how you learn to function under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't. The system doesn't know that you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, the but the that so those kind of things could be treated with soul retrieval, soul recovery, soul soul restoration. Yeah, so things can kind of uh, be uh, uh, rejoined and then maybe reorganized to a higher level of functioning, something like that. Yeah, it's it's integrating or associating. Another term for this is the source, excuse me, the soul, di- uh, the soul piece dissociates. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is reassociate that lost soul part with the overall soul of the person. And when they mm-hmm. do, they feel, I've seen it again and again, they feel more whole, they're brighter, they're lighter, they sleep better. I mean, all of these, a lot of times these symptoms that they came in when they, that, that they were experiencing, they're, they're resolved. Mm-hmm. And like you said, too, about treatment, uh, sometimes it's a process. I tell people it takes usually two weeks to two months to really experience the full effects of this. Well, it's like you have to wait for the synergy to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, know, it's, it's like when I blend an aromatherapy, make a blend, aromatherapy blend. It takes a while for it to synergize all the different ingredients, you know, to synergize. I love your aromatherapy. I got to put a plug in for that too. It's great stuff. You, uh, the, the, uh, I don't remember the names, but specifically the ones that I ordered from you. Uh, pretty amazing. And also, um, your book. I think your book is so cool. <laughs> it's got and so it's evolving. It. Yeah, I keep working on it. It keeps <laughs> yeah, no, getting new things. Writing more it's and more. Got a complexity to it, and and you can tell that there's a lot of work because it it reads very simply, and yet it's fairly complex material. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Well, um, could we maybe close with um, some shamanic drumming? You could lead us in like a shamanic healing journey. Journey, just kind of give us a sample of yeah. what that would be like. Sure. Let's give that a shot here. Okay. I've got my trusty drum that I often use. So let's see. I want to make sure it's not too loud. Let me let me play a little bit. Just okay. Can you tell me this. Can be louder. Okay, I'll I'll bring it up here. Louder. How's that? You can get louder. You you can't even be louder. All right, I'm gonna turn it. Let me turn the. <laughs>
Like you go, oh, gosh, I like foxes. I'm going to go talk to fox. No, let's see who shows up. So think of a question. If you have a question about your life, it could be relationship, your work, your career, how to deal with your doubt or your fear. Um, and then um, when you go to this place, which I'm going to ask you to drop down into what's called the lower earth. Uh, no, not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's, it's a place where shamans go, the lower world or lower earth. I'll call it the lower world. And it's going to be a meadow, and that's where you're going to meet your animal spirit guide. And again, this is just maybe a one-time meeting. And when the animal spirit guide shows up, you telepathically ask her or him the question, and then you pay attention to whatever happens as soon as you ask the question. You may hear something, you may see something, you may feel something, or a thought pops into your head. So just pay attention to whatever happens, okay? Here we go. Okay, now allow yourself to drop down into the lower world. Good. And to find yourself in a meadow.
time. Allow your eyes to open and look around the area where you are, wherever you happen to be. And you might want to, after we're complete with this, is to uh, take some time to contemplate, meditate on the answer that you received, the images, the thoughts, the what you heard or what you felt. And taking a couple of nice deep breaths, just letting that go. Okay. KG, you here? Yes, I am. I'm going to uh, ask uh, if I may, if you're interested, is also this, uh, I'm excited because I got this brand new Oracle card deck, Messages from Your Animal Spirit Guides Oracle mm -hmm. Card. I, I would like, if you're interested, to pull a card on your behalf. Oh, wonderful. And let's see what kind of message, and you can comment on it or not. But okay. Let's, uh, see what you're, okay, guys. So just focus on uh, the question, what's the messages for me right now? Okay. Well, a lot of them want to jump out at me here. But this one, let's pull this I one. need a lot of help. <laughs> ah, Roadrunner. you got Roadrunner. <laughs> Oh, I just got your comment. I just heard it a second time. <clears throat> I think the animals like you, actually, Casey, is what's going on. Roadrunner, um, keep your sense of humor and don't take things so seriously. Appropriate, <laughs> 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 huh? Yes. Uh, well, again, I, I respect and appreciate, you know, um, Certainly, what I've read on your website, etc., in, in the work that you do, you're very dedicated to your work, and I really want to give that a under, underline that from my sense of uh, what I hear from Roadrunner, and also that uh, do you run? Uh, do you jog or run? Or I'm a swimmer. Swimmer. Okay. I swim so every there's, day. There's something about walking, not necessarily like Roadrunner. I do walk in the. I love to go walk in the park. You know Lithia Park. I love to walk in Lithia Park and Beautiful. around and, you the... You know, you live in a great area. Yeah, now. it is really Goodness, wonderful you know, here. You can't beat that. But also that what um, uh, Roadrunner is saying to you is just pretty straightforward. You know, there's no equivocation about that. It's just, you know, just get, bring a lot more laughter or lightness into your into your life. Uh, you know, make it a point to have some fun. You know, giggle, laugh, etc. That kind of thing. That's what he's saying. So okay. I'll pass that along to you. And uh, since you laughed anyway when I when I read the message. <laughs> Apparently it has some relevance for you. So our time has gone by so fast, Stephen. It's been wonderful having you here to share your shamanic healing wisdom with us, and I'm sure our listeners will learn something useful about healing and self-empowerment from for their lives, from what you've shared with us. And I hope you'll visit us well, again. I appreciate it. I, so. I would like to put in a plug uh, that if anyone's interested in signing up for my newsletter is to just go to my website, which is drstephenfarmer.com, and it's drstephenfarmer, as in the abbreviation for doctor, so drstephenfarmer.com. And thank you, KG. You've been a gracious host, yes. a very gracious host. Thanks again, Stephen. A big, warm mahalo to you. And, yes, please uh, go visit Dr. Farmer online, drstephenfarmer.com. So thanks, Stephen. You're welcome. All thank right. you, KG.